If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn to John, the sixth chapter, I'm going to title this message, Is Your Stomach Growling? And I kind of questioned whether or not I should title it that. I was thinking this morning what I should title it. And when I thought of that, my stomach immediately growled. And uh, I'm not one to look for signs and wonders, but I thought, okay, I'll tell you what I want to look at this morning in John, the sixth chapter, which there's a lot going on in John, the sixth chapter, but I'm going to try to Uh, for the sake of time, get the the few things that I need. Um, To set the stage in John 6 chapter, Jesus has been teaching and Jesus has been preaching and he has um, gathered quite the following, right? Uh, Multitudes, thousands of people are following Jesus. And in John the 6 chapter, it tells us um, in verse 2, and a great multitude followed him <clears throat> because they saw his miracles, which he, ha- which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover feast, the feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes he, and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are, thee, what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. And now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples And the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, this is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. Now that's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, anybody has probably ever flipped through a children's Bible book has read about Jesus feeding the multitudes. This is not the only time he did that. But this is the uh, time when he took five uh, loaves of bread and two fish and he broke it and he fed 5,000 people, right? We're all very familiar with that. Well, what's interesting here that I want to get to is they're impressed by this. And the Bible says in in the following verses uh, that they were going to come and take him by force to make him a king, an earthly king. And so he leaves because that's not his lot in this life is to be a king simply on this earth, but to be a king of eternal glory, right? And so he departs into a a desert place and he gets away from there and goes into a mountain alone. And night comes and sometime in the night, um, Jesus departs to the other side of the sea. And then uh, sometime after that, his disciples follow him. So... These people have been, uh, these 5,000 people have been fed. Night comes, they all go to sleep. The next morning they wake up and Jesus is gone and his disciples are gone. And so they began to look for him. They began to seek him out. And it says the next day, uh, the day after they were fed, it says in verse um, 24, it says, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, Neither his disciples, they, took, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? 
And now this is the verse I really want to notice here. And it says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Now, that's a little bit of an unsettling verse for me, right? Because the Lord knows exactly why you are here this morning, right? He knows what your motives are. He knows uh, if you came begrudgingly. He knows if you came with a joyful spirit. He knows if you came to see or be seen. He knows if you came to show off your new dress or your new jacket. He knows exactly what our motives are for following him. And that can be a little unsettling, right? And he tells these people, you've gone to great lengths to find me. You have sought me out. But the only reason that you are here, it has, it, it has very little, if anything, to do with who I am. You are here because you had some sort of worldly advantage and benefit because of me. You ate and you were fed in a time that you were hungry. And that's the only reason you're here. He says, you're, you're not seeking me for any other reason. You're not seeking me for my glory. You're not seeking me because of my honor. You're seeking me because of the benefit or the advantage that you get because of me. Now, in Philippians, the third chapter, it tells us about a, a mindset, I guess you could say, um, where our belly is our own God. The Bible says that their God is their belly, right? Your stomach, meaning your, your, your earthly passions and desires. That's your God, right? Now, in, and this is played out in front of us. These people were probably hungry again. Let's go see where Jesus went. He fed us last time. They're not interested in Jesus. They're interested in their own stomach, their own desires, right? Now, listen, that is not a spiritual godly trait to pursue the Lord simply for our own benefit, right? So the question is, will a man follow God? Will the man follow the Lord? Will, the man acknowledge, will a man acknowledge the Lord simply for his own benefit? Absolutely, yes. They absolutely will. Let me give you this, uh, this example. <clears throat> We were coming back from a trip a couple, couple days ago. You know, Christmas songs are out already. Sorry, Brother Jim. They're out. <laughs> I like Christmas songs, right? I enjoy them. And, and you know, and on uh, the, the satellite radio, they've got all kinds of different channels. You can find country Christmas or, you know, uh, you know, the traditional Christmases or whatever. And I was listening to some of those songs. And, and a lot of these songs, you know, during, during the time of Christmas, are, are they not about the virgin birth? Are they not about a Savior coming into the world? There's, there's some tremendous spiritual message about our Lord Jesus Christ during the time of Christmas, right? And I began to notice some of the songs that I would listen to, the people that were singing them, singing them. And I've happened to, you know, at some point spend some time kind of researching these people, where, what their stances are, what their beliefs are. And some of these very people that were singing about the beauty of the Savior coming and being born in Bethlehem spend millions of dollars and great efforts for causes that are against and contrary to the cause of Christ. 
But if you will pay them some money for a Christmas album, they'll sing about it. Are you with me? There are people that will sing praises to the Lord, not because He is the Lord, because it fills their belly. Worldly advantages and worldly desires, they will absolutely praise Him if it puts a dollar in their pocket. But they're not interested in the Lord. They're interested in their own desires, right? Their own worldly advantage. So yes, men will do that. Well, here's the trap. The trap is that following God for our own advantage can lead to a great uh, downfall in our mindset, right? Now, I want you to think about in Psalm 73, many of you are familiar with that, the man named Asaph. You know what Asaph does? Asaph takes a moment to look around the world, and what he sees is on this side, you have people that care nothing about the Lord, and they're rich, and they're healthy, and they're prospering in every single thing that they do. And on the flip side, you've got God's people who are suffering, who are broken, who have very little, who are having to scrounge to put food on the table. And Asaph steps back and looks, and he says, I don't understand this. I do not understand this, that the wicked are prospering and God's people are, people are suffering. Listen, that's his stomach growling. That's his stomach talking to him saying, if you'll go this way and pursue all of these things and maybe create a God to yourself that's not even a God, you'll have all these worldly advantages and desires. But that's only his stomach talking, right? So the question is, why are we following the Lord? Why are you following the Lord? Are you following the Lord? Listen now, certainly I understand. and You've got to have sense enough to differentiate these two. Yes, we benefit from the Lord, right? We are the, the blessings of the Lord overtake us. But now I will tell you this. Our blessings from God cannot always be measured or even seen in this life. Right. You know that the Lord, I am certain that the Lord has blessed me and I don't even know that he did it. Don't even know. There is no telling, as the song says, what the unseen hand does. But sometimes we look and we say, look at all the blessings these people have. They care nothing about the Lord. They don't care about following the Lord. Let me give you an example. Have you ever said, look at those people over there. They don't care anything about coming to church. Maybe a young person might say this. They don't care anything about coming to church. They live exactly like they want to live. And they have already found love and they're married and they're started on a family. And here I am over here serving God and I have no companionship. Now listen, that's a real situation. You might, you might exchange that for children or a job. But it's easy for us to say, why are the people that don't care anything about the Lord, why are they blessed? And why am I over here having to do without? Don't forget, some blessings are not seen. Amen. And some blessings can't be measured, right. right? But if we look over here too long... Because we are fallen creatures. If you look and stare over there too long, eventually you will start moving that direction. Don't ever underestimate your desire to satisfy your belly. And you'll simply move in that direction. Now, let me keep going here. John, the sixth chapter, Jesus says, you're not following me. 
for the right reason. You're following me simply because of the benefit that you received in this worldly advantage, right? And he tells them, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. They said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. And he goes on and says this, Jesus said unto them, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. Well, let's go back a verse here. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth light unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord evermore, give us this bread. Right? All right? He's basically saying, look, you're seeking worldly desires. That's why you're seeking me to put a worldly bread in your stomach. But there's a better bread than that. And they said, show me, man. Give it to me. Tell me about this bread. And he begins to do that. Now, listen, if you want some good doctrinal preaching by the Son of God himself, you can read uh, about the last half of John the sixth chapter. He is fixing to lay out some bread for them, but not a bread that satisfies their physical stomach, a bread that will satisfy their spiritual stomach. Now, he goes on and he says things like this. All the Father giveth me shall come to me. He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He says, uh, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. He says, the Father's will is that I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. He goes on and says things like this. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Look, listen, he is shoveling bread to them. But it's a different type of bread. It's not the bread their stomach is desiring. He goes on and says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. He goes on and he, he, he just repeats himself over and over and over and over and over again. And now listen. So here you have this group of people. They've heard Jesus say this. All right, you're here, but you're not here for the right reason. You're seeking me. You're following me for the wrong reason. You're looking for a, a worldly satisfaction from what I did. And that's the wrong reason to be here. Right. Let me give you something that is spiritual food. Let me give you some truth. And that is really the only thing that's ever going to satisfy you. Amen. Right? And he goes on and he preaches to them. <clears throat> and then, therefore, his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Jesus says, does this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man descend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And then he says this, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. And from that point, to me that, to me that was the, the, uh, the straw, as the saying goes, the straw that broke the camel's back. They've heard him say a lot of this bread. They've heard him give them a lot of this bread. But it wasn't the type of bread they wanted. But when he says, no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father, the Bible says at that point, many of his disciples went back 
and they walk no more with them. Now, a lot of time, your, the doctrine will absolutely test your discipleship, right? Your, the doctrine that the Lord preached will test your discipleship or your desire to follow him. So here, he ha- they have disciples. They have people that are following. That's what disciple means, to follow the Lord, to be a student of the Lord. People that are following them because of their own fleshy desires, right? And then when he starts to preach some doctrine, it tests their discipleship. And they said, listen, I do not want part of a man who says that the only way we can come to him is if the Father gives it to us. I don't want that. I want to be able to hear that I can come and go and do as I please. And they said, I'm not walking with you anymore. All right, so get the picture there. Multitude of people. And now it's not so much a multitude of people. Why? Because Jesus gave them some truth. He gave them some bread. A bread from heaven. And they didn't like it. So now this has dwindled down to a very small group of people. And then Jesus looks at his 12. This is, to me, this is, I know, I don't, you know, I don't know the emotion that Jesus was feeling, but to me, it's a sad question. Jesus looks at his disciples, looks at the 12, and it say, he says, or he asks, will ye also go away? Look at all these people leaving. Peter, Andrew, John, James. Look at the multitude that just left me. They only wanted me if I could put something in their physical stomach. They only followed me for a worldly advantage. Now, guys, are y'all also going to go that way? Or do you, are you hungry for what I really am here for? Yeah. And why do you think he asked that? Why do you think he looked at those 12 and said, will you also go away? I think obviously because the Lord knows our flesh and he knows our weakness. You know, there's a time in the Bible in Isaiah that says, they say to the seers, see not. And they say to the prophets, don't prophesy unto us right things. Prophesy unto us smooth things. In 2 Timothy it says, there's a time when people will have itching ears and they will heap to themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. What is that? That's their stomach growling. There's something I need in my stomach and it sure is not the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's something else. So don't come over here prophesying to me about, hey, and what, what is Jesus preaching? He's preaching the doctrine of foreknowledge and predestination right here. He's saying no man can come to me except it were given unto me of my Father. And these people say, I don't want any of that. Let's go find somebody that will tell us what we want to hear. And this is why they do that. They want somebody that will validate their profession of religion, but still allow them to do what they want to do. Did you, did you hear that? People will seek out teachers. People will create a God so that they can still have an outward show of religion but continue to do what they want to do. Because one thing that separates people is the teaching and the truth of Jesus Christ. Do you know that there are churches, listen to me now, there are churches all over America 
that have said, you know what? A lot of people out there, they want to have a public profession of religion. They do. But they don't see homosexuality as a sin. So what we'll do is we'll just change our church and tell everybody that God has adapted over the years and He's good with it and He ordained it and it's love and it's okay, but we still can have our religious establishment. Folks, that is satisfying your stomach. Your fleshy stomach. That's saying, I'll follow God, but when, when, when God starts preaching things I don't agree with, I'm going to leave, create a God of my own, continue to profess religion, but write out my own laws that I'm going to follow. It's happening all over the place. It happens on our individual lives probably daily. We'll justify something in a heartbeat, right? That's just satisfying your growling, fleshy stomach. Right now, let me get ready to close here. Jesus looks at his 12 and says, are you going to go away too? And I love what Peter says. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You know what Peter was saying? Lord, I'm not looking to fill my fleshy belly. I'm not looking to to follow something just because I get worldly benefits and advantages from it. Lord, there is no other physician. There is no other mediator. There is no other fountain that anchors my soul like you do. And you have the words of eternal life. You are the one that came to this earth preaching and teaching that before the foundation of the world, God Almighty laid us in your hands. And your salvation is sure and it is kept and you are the only victorious Savior over sin that ever was and ever will be. And that satisfies their hungry soul. You see, Peter's not looking to satisfy his stomach. He's looking to satisfy his hungry soul. And he says, Lord, you're the only one that can do it. Yeah, sure, I could leave. I could leave and I could go continue to profess religion, profess the Lord, and do things my own way, but that only will ever leave the child of God broken and empty and hungry and longing for something else. And Peter says, there's nowhere else to go. You're the only single one in this entire world that can satisfy me. Amen. Now, so the question I guess I would leave you with is why are you following the Lord? Why are you following God? He knows. But why are you following Him? Are you following Him because it keeps you in good standing with people that you respect? Are you following Him because that's what maybe your mama and daddy expect you to do? Are you following because Uh, There's a girl that you like and she likes to go to church. Are you following him because there's a boy you like and he likes to go to church? There's a there's a lot of different ways we could reasons we could follow the Lord. Right. And the Lord knows what those reasons are. But the main reason we should follow the Lord is because what he taught us in John, the sixth chapter. Is that he truly did have the Lord put us in his hands before the foundation of the world and he kept us 
and we're secure. And he wiped away our sins. He washed them white as snow. And he separated them as far as the east is from the west. And as the song we sang this morning, the only reason that we can stand before God Almighty blameless is because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is enough for us to follow him. Now listen, you may look one day and you may say, I do not understand. I have been faithful in serving the Lord in my prayer life, in my study, in in my obedience. I, I feel like I have walked in faithfulness to the Lord. But everybody else seems to be prospering and getting what they want. But I don't. I encourage you, don't step away from following the Lord for the the wrong, right reason. If you start following the Lord simply because of the worldly advantage that you will receive, you're doomed. You're doomed. And yes, I thought about this the other day. Why is it that we can walk in obedience and faithfulness and we do not seem, in the world's eyes, we do not seem to be as prosperous and as successful as those that don't? And this is what I came up with. If the Lord gave us every single thing that we ask for, if the Lord said, you have been walking in obedience, you get this and they don't, it would not be very long that the only reason we follow the Lord is for what we would get out of it. Sometimes the Lord doesn't give us something, maybe just to make sure we're following Him for the right reason. Right? Right. I hope you're following the Lord for the right reason, not just to satisfy a growling stomach to get what you can get out of Him, to use the Lord for your advantage. I hope you're following Him out of gratitude and humility and thankfulness for what He did for us. And I'm convinced that one day we are going to stand before Him and the magnitude of our sins, now I'm not saying we'll feel the guilt of them, but the magnitude of our sins will be present before us. And the exceeding magnitude of His grace will also be there. And we'll see what we deserved and we'll see the price that He paid. If you can lay hold of that now, that's why we serve Him. That's why we follow Him. I hope that's been profitable. Please pray for Brother Tim.